what I want our people to know is that we have to be okay with this grief. We have to see others' pain for what it is and like cycles of pain and cycles of grief and cycles of trauma. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like how we cannot love, we have to love God, love our neighbor. Like we don't have to, we, we enter into that, right? As people of God's kingdom. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast, an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. We've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's upside down kingdom. Grief is the deep sorrow, anguish, pain we feel after a loss or a death of a loved one. We all know it when it comes to us in our hearts and in our bones. But once we're faced with that heaviness, what do we do with grief? How do we move forward with it or lean into it? You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. I'm Gina Soliberto, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lindsay Wallace, Kayla Craig, and Elisa Molina. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. <laughs> and today we're talking about grief as it relates to the Upside Down Kingdom. So, womp mm, womp. <laughs> so <laughs> as I was re- preparing for this episode, I realized that I think I've been confusing grief with trauma and pain. And when I looked up the definitions, they're all really similar. So grief, as I just defined it, is like the deep sorrow and the pain. But then trauma is defined as the event that causes the grief. And I think we all know what pain is. Um, and then I started thinking There's not even one type of grief, right? There's gradual grief or ambiguous loss, like when someone is sick and is slowly losing themselves and you mourn them over time while they're still alive. Or a different kind of grief when you've experienced an almost death of someone and walked through those steps and they're alive, but you still have grief afterward. So I thought we would start by just going around and asking, how do you define grief? I think I would say I think of grief as loss of some kind um, and not just kind of what you described in terms of loss of like the loss of a person. But I think too, just like the loss of an ideal of how we thought our life was going to be or like Mm -hmm. the loss of a dream or the loss of um, the way we thought our family was going to be in the relationship. So to me, grief and loss, I don't know, right or wrong are pretty um, pretty connected and tied together. Yeah, Lindsay, that was my, um, my thought too, is that grief has to stem out of a loss of something. It doesn't have to be death necessarily, like a human death, but it has to be like the, the death or loss of something or someone. Mm. And I would imagine, um, because I've never, I haven't, um, lost anyone within my really immediate, uh, circle. Um, the closest person to me that I've lost is my, my husband's father. Um, and so I guess I, I would, I would never kind of assume to know, um, kind of the level of grief that is like losing someone, um, close to you versus, you know, um, the loss of something else that's, that's not a person. Right. So I think as, as far as what Lindsay and Kayla are saying, I think that that, that to me is kind of how I define grief. But again, I I would not ever be able to suppose that I know what the grief is like 
that comes with losing someone who's, who's really close to you. Yeah. Yeah. So when, so when I was thinking about this podcast, the reason I was so eager to discuss it on Upside Down is because my family has experienced some loss and, uh, you know, no one, well, whatever, we've experienced some loss uh, in the past few years and I think we're grieving and um, I don't know, I, as I've been looking around at both my family and friends who are grieving, I think I've been struck by the idea that these people are all Christians or Catholics, and yet we, myself included, aren't necessarily behaving like people who wholeheartedly believe in the resurrection. And the more I thought about this, the more I kind of realized, well, like people in the Bible didn't necessarily, like they grieved, right? We see like Mary when Jesus died, like that was grief and grief is innately and deeply human. Um, And so I didn't talk with any of the sisters that I work for about this episode specifically, but I've talked with them about grief in the past because a number of them are grief counselors. And one in particular, Sister Madeline, uh, is a uh, I don't know if she's a licensed grief, grief counselor actually, but she does grief counseling and she holds like meetups in her home for you know grief groups. And at one point, this was really really central to her ministry. And last summer, she invited me to stay with her. And um, she's a person who's like very very direct and very very smart, and I really admire her. And I was so anxious to sit down with her and ask her about grief and all of these things. And I did, and she just looked me straight in the eye and she went. Well, for example, I lost my mother X years ago, but I don't walk around feeling deprived all the time. (laughs) And it was just this moment of like, all right, like that's one way. Um, Like it was very terse. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I wasn't sure if I was like supposed to laugh or if that was like serious. No, I think it's funny. (laughs) I think she was like mocking people who walk around feeling deprived all the time. And I think... Oh. Yeah, I think like with grief comes some, there's a sense of deprivation. That's exactly what it is, right? Like you feel deprived. Um, mm. And so what does it mean to hold grief and to feel deprived when you believe in the resurrection? Gina, that's an awesome question. I Can I go back to one yes. thing that you said? Um, this is like my Protestant is showing, but I have noticed that my Catholic friends will say, christian and catholic and this is we are going to do an episode about like ecumenicism but just for our listeners who aren't catholic like can you explain and and elisa you too like that um because i i consider all of us christians so is there like a just a a brief like (laughs) definition or a way for all of our listeners to understand what exactly you mean when you say that I actually, I actually don't use that distinction. Um, I, we use, I guess, at least in the circles I run the distinction between Catholic and Protestant, Mm -hmm. but, but you're right. Like anybody who follows the teaching of Christ are, are Christian. Um, yeah, I say that for people who identify as Christian, because my experience has been like having been called out is like all of us not being the same. Um, not like every time I meet a Protestant, but yeah, I don't know. I guess actually this is like hmm. totally no longer on the topic of grief. I feel like um, actually like <laughs> actually like within Welcome dating, to our Voxer conversation. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, within dating that has happened to me. Like I like when I have hmm. gone on those dates, guys have been like, Oh, you're Catholic, I can't date you. And I'm like, Well, like still a Christian. And they're like, Because no. you're not a Christian. Yeah. 
like in their mind right. that means you're not a Christian. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and so I mean, right. And when we and we we're gonna do a podcast on yeah, like how this is an ecumenical podcast, and I think that's gonna be mm-hmm. super helpful and interesting. Yeah, me too. Sorry to like interject that random, but I just thought, well, if it struck me, maybe it struck a listener. So yeah, I just want absolutely. to, yeah, open that up. Um, that <laughs> reminds me, Gina, I'll like, get to your hosting. <laughs> I'm only finished, but <laughs> um, just call me Kanye. Um, what I was going to say <laughs> was, <laughs> was um, that I was reading Kate Bowler's book. Um, and she talks about all her friends of different like denominations and ways of Christian thought. And in her book, it's just a lot about grief. Mm-hmm. Um, she has stage four mm-hmm. cancer. She talks about how her Catholic friends know how to grieve. Wow. And so huh. I'm just really, I, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, like you, your tradition makes space for sorrow and makes space for pain. And that's like really what a lot of your theology is even like built upon. So all of that to say, Gina, I'm really glad that you're hosting this episode. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and now we will answer your Yeah, question. please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have someone um, that I've been following uh, for a while on, um, on Instagram and she's actually from uh, a suburb, just one suburb over from me and her name is Letitia Adams. And she recently, uh, lost her mm-hmm. son, uh, her son, uh, died by suicide. And, um, she's been very, very forthcoming about the grief process. And she's given like a lot of resources. Um, and she quotes a lot of people, but, um, I think, Part of the thing um, that I'm understanding from people who have experienced um, major trauma and are are um, are grieving is that um, I think the things that are coming out now seem to point to this idea that grief is is not something like you you come out the mm-hmm. other side of it. Like you, you grieve for like X amount of days and then, or months or years, and then you're like healed from your grief. It's just, it just becomes part of you. And so it, it, it's more of like, it's a, it's like a journey that, that you're on. It just kind of shifts, it shifts everything. It shifts, you know, how you're thinking and how you see the world and all of that. And so it, it isn't really a thing where it's like a start and a stop so much. Mm -hmm. And so as kingdom people, like, I think, I think the thing that's super important to always remember is that we're a people of hope. So I think you, it's an, it's an and both like you can hold both of the mm-hmm. things at the same time. You don't have to choose like I'm grieving um, just because you're grieving doesn't make you a person that doesn't understand and and uh, hope and find joy in the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, when we think about like deprivation and feeling deprived, like I can I can believe in the resurrection and still feel deprived right now. Like I can still miss people that I've lost right now and right. look for, like what Elisa is saying and look forward um, to the resurrection. Like, I don't think 
I don't know, this gets into theology, which I'm not an expert on, but like, it's the whole kingdom. Like it, it is already and it's not yet, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, like, yeah, the resurrection and eternity. Yes. But also I live right now and I miss this person or I miss this life I thought I was going to have. Um, I don't think that the one takes away from the other in that way. Right. Yeah, I agree, Lindsay. So I kind of like I was listening to your intro, Gina, and it was interesting to me when you said like we're not behaving like um, like we believe mm. in the in the resurrection. Mm. You know what I mean? And so like, can you unpack that a little bit? Like what? Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And this is just my opinion. Like I don't you know, I don't know. I don't know if this will resonate with anyone or if people are going to be like, what is happening? Um, I think that when you walk around, like when you live your life totally bereaved and like very cognizant of the fact that you're deprived or that you feel deprived. Um, yeah, to me, that's not like a, on one hand, that's, a part of life and everyone does it and it's human. But on the other hand, it's like, wait, that doesn't feel like you're spreading the gospel or like you're, or like you're saying, I get, or like you're saying, I know I'm going to see this person again. Or I know that this dream that I had hasn't become a reality, but God has something different or better in store. Um, I think it's hard to believe those things. So you're saying that you think it's not, you're not saying you think people should believe those things. You're saying that you think it's hard to believe those things. Like it's hard to hold yeah. that hope when yeah. you're grieving. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, what oh, I was okay, thinking, yeah. I thought you were saying the opposite and I was really confused. Um, right. And I was actually going to be like, so when Jesus was crying, cause Lazarus died, like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Like Jesus knew, <laughs> right. Um, that Lazarus was going to yes. come back yeah. and he wept like, and I think, so I'm just building on what you said, but like, I think for those of us who do grieve and maybe feel things deeply in our bodies mm -hmm. and we have, and we're experiencing that integration that you guys, that was talked about earlier, like, that's really comforting actually to know that Jesus knew 100% he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but death mm -hmm. should be grieved. Like death is, that is, it's grieve worthy. And so like, just to know Jesus, like there was something right about grieving regardless of the resurrection. Like the resurrection was coming. Yes. Mm -hmm. But also there is, there is something right about grieving. And Soong Chung Ra says that, lament mm. tells the truth and i think i think that's oh, part of this that. like when we're lamenting we're actually telling the truth about what was lost um mm. and you know to kind of go back to the protestant thing like us particularly white protestants like we do not do that well we have very little framework for grief and sitting with it and acknowledging it and embodying it like we have a lot to learn yeah, we have a lot to learn. And I, I mean, it really, really sucks that we see, you know, at the time of recording, we've recently seen mm -hmm. a couple of prominent, like, evangelical mega pastors, you know, take their lives, like, die by suicide. And, and I think that we have got to, like, listen up and be in tune and, like, 
yeah, just make space and look into scripture and say Jesus wept and not expect us to be like, but we know the resurrection is coming. So it's okay. Like, yes, we do know that. But like, sometimes, you know, like we sing and it is in scripture, like Mm -hmm. death, where is your sting? But it's like, it does in the moment, it does sting. Like that's the humanity part, right? Like Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And I don't know, like we really need to assess that Mm -hmm. and um, include that in our, in our frameworks of theology and in our framework of church. Um, And I feel like we really need to incorporate that to understand our fullness of, you know, humanity and also the fullness of the kingdom of now and not yet. I'm that probably makes zero sense. But. No, it, it does. And also just to make space for like people not always mm. being okay. Thank like, you. You know what I mean? Like we're just gonna, we're just gonna tr- like, we're just gonna, this is super uncomfortable. However this person feels or the grief that they're going through or the, like, I think that's one of the things that I've tried to pay most attention to during this time that I have watched uh, Letitia be very open about her grief is that I'm not, I, we're fixers mm-hmm. and you're not, that's when it comes to a person's grief, that is the last thing you're not supposed, you're just supposed to, to come alongside them and be there and, and be there when everybody else has fallen away. And it's, you know, we have these ideas of the appropriate amount of time to grieve things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think just starting to be okay with those uncomfortable feelings or the discomfort of not having easy solutions to, to big, hard, difficult situations and feelings. And also, can we just say the resurrection is nuts? Mm. Like, that's crazy. Right. So like, if you, if you don't believe it for a little while, it's okay. Like, if you're questioning that, like, that is okay, because it's freaking nuts, like, to actually think about, you know, and so I think, we, we, I think we're scared sometimes to admit mm-hmm. that we have questions about our faith because then, yeah. you know, you're on a slippery slope and watch out like so-and-so's reading this book or whatever. And it's like, it's all crazy. Like yeah. it all just sounds nuts. So if you don't believe it for a little while or you're questioning or you have doubts or you're not sure, like God, I think God can handle that. You know, like we don't have to pretend to believe certain things when we, when we're just struggling, right. you know, to like make breakfast. When you were talking earlier, I, about Jesus having wept, like the thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, we know how the story goes now, but at the time people who knew that he was weeping were probably like, no, he's never going to see that dude again. Like Lazarus is gone. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that's like the, yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, the context that we're not. Yeah, I don't know. And he didn't turn around and say like, "I'm really sad," but also like, "It's going to be cool," you know. Hmm. Elisa, when you were talking about um, the woman that you follow, whose son died, and then the fact that it's like you know it's okay not to be okay, um, I thought of on Instagram. I just saw another woman. 
um, Jamie, the very worst missionary. I'm sure you guys are familiar with her. She has a podcast. Um, and in that podcast, she got choked up talking about her son and like the memories they had together. Um, and she said she got on Instagram, she said she got a lot of messages telling her like, it's okay to cry. And like flipping this the script a little bit like she and she swears a lot so just like a heads up but she is like I know that and I also know need to know that I in my grief I need to have permission basically like to laugh like it's okay to seem okay too and so it was really interesting because I'm like well I'm sure I've said that to like a lot of people like trying to create space for them um to grieve but also knowing like Grief looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. And there's not one right way to grieve. And there's not one holy way to grieve. But we're all in our humanity are, you know, it, it's it's multifaceted. And what you might see on the internet or what you might see, you know, at coffee can be two, like, very different things. And it has to be, like... There has to be space for like gray and for nuance, you know, like I think about at funerals, there's like, you know, very much it's a time of of grief and of sorrow. But then I think about a lot of the luncheons I've been to after a funeral. And it's like everyone wants to laugh, mm-hmm. right? Like that's part of our grief is everyone wants to tell stories and be like, do you remember when he did this you know there's like this sense of like uh communal grief that sometimes looks like you know weeping and gnashing of teeth but sometimes it looks like remembering and 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 laughing or you know just getting on with it and taking a shower and and doing your best with what you can do in in that day and in that moment so I just um it just is so interesting that you said that and we're talking about that specific situation as I've been kind of following Jamie and her journey and just realizing that everybody is so so different yeah and it, it also has a lot to do kind of with relationship to the person who's grieving um you know being able to understand the nuance and the different ways to walk alongside them, um, I think has a lot to do with, um, with the relationship that, that you have with that person. I was at, um, I was at the deathbed of, um, a a friend who, who I, uh, I nannied for him and his wife. And, um, you know, that is something that I would have originally like never thought myself capable of, but like in the moment, because we had that relationship and because I felt part of the, the family life and I felt a connection, um, I kind of had to like, uh, put my own, like what, it, what I feel and what's, what's necessary for me and my comfort, like aside and do what I thought because of the relationship that was established there, what, what looked to me like coming alongside them or at least kind of, you know, the mantra of showing up, I guess. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think when you have a relationship with somebody who is grieving, those are the kind of people who are, are called to kind of step in and step up and, and kind of be the, the, uh, the support of the person. Cause I mean, when, when it comes to like people on the internet, like I, I try really hard not to kind of 
presuppose anything about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nora McKerney, um, kind of on that note, she has a podcast that's called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Uh, she founded the Hot Young Widows Club and she lost her husband, her dad, and her second child all within like two months of each other. Um, yeah. And so she mm. writes and talks about grief. Um, and she has this quote that I really loved and it's some things can't be fixed. Not all wounds are meant to heal, but we need each other to remember, to help each other remember that grief is a multitasking emotion. And I think she means like kind of what you're both talking about. Like grief is, grief can be happy and remembering that person, or it can mean feeling supported um, in addition to sorrow. I would, that's really interesting. And I feel like I'm there Mm -hmm. like 75% of the way with her, but I feel like my faith, like I think all wounds are meant to heal and maybe that healing looks different and maybe it's a gradual healing. But like, to me, I feel like Jesus does heal wounds and they are meant to heal. And maybe, you know, Mm. that doesn't happen the side of heaven. Like that's very true. And there's definitely like space for that. Um, But I guess I would just like, for me, I feel like hearing that I push back a little bit in my spirit because I feel like meant to is such a like it evokes such a strong thing. Like I do think that we mm-hmm. our wounds are meant to be healed, but I'm open to other interpretations. Yeah, I think the the caveat not this side of heaven. Right. Um is like yeah, what makes that clear for me? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think she was talking about in heaven. She has a she has a really excellent TED talk that I um that I learned a lot from. And she she actually said that um that we mm-hmm. don't move on from grief, mm-hmm. we move forward with it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's kind of she she has really influenced kind of like this idea for me that 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 it is some for for a lot of times it's not something that you just kind of get past. It's just, it's, Mm -hmm. it's with you. It it changes you and it continues to be a part, but I totally agree with, with, with Kayla and and the idea that, you know, um, you know, redemption is going to make all things whole um, for all of us in lots of ways. Yeah, I think we do know that to be true on like an academic level. But I also think, especially when you're actively grieving or, um, yeah, I think it's hard to, to realize that in fullness. And that's kind of like why I wanted to talk about this on this episode. Yeah, I agree. Gina, I think that the head knowledge and the heart knowledge are two different things, you know? So like I can, I say, I believe that I believe that Jesus restores all things, but right now this particular, you know, not speaking personally right in this moment, but like whatever the situation is, it just sucks. And yeah, you know, I'm just sad about it right now. You know, like I think that that's the difference. So we talked about reaching out to people who are grieving in a few different ways. Uh, Something else that I've read a lot about is people like just saying things to people who are grieving that are not appropriate, Um, you know, like trying to fix it or trying to point out a bright side. Uh, Where do you guys stand on, Mm. yeah, on helping people grieve or, you know, like maybe that is not the time to give a spiel about the resurrection. (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> it's not. Not maybe not. Yeah. It's just not. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I've heard. I've heard from um, a couple of people who have gone through the, who are going through the grief process or are have lost someone that it is not only okay but encouraged mm. to kind of speak the name of of the person that they've lost to to it's not they think about the person all day every day the person doesn't leave them ever and so to honor that by by speaking their name into into the space is not something that will will be hurtful and again like kind of like Kayla said like I guess it 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 is from person to person depending on you know what helps and what's hurtful but I do know that several people that that I've either listened to or tried to learn from that's one seems to Mm -hmm. be one of the most consistent things that I've heard is that you that that's a safe and encouraged encouraging thing yeah to do I feel like that's true and I, I was thinking um Last year when my family was like coming to the realization that we were going to have to leave Miami um, and we were grieving that and we were grieving the loss of relationships and loss of trust in different relationships and some of that stuff. And I was kind of venting to Kayla on Voxer like and I think I said it. I know it's not true, but it feels like Mm -hmm. we've lost everything and like people were kind of trying to encourage me like, Oh, mm-hmm, but you haven't mm-hmm, lost this mm-hmm. thing. And Oh, you still have this. And Oh, you still have that. And Kayla was like, no, you have lost everything full stop. You have. And it was just like this weight that I felt like I could exhale and be like, okay, like I, I'm not crazy. These big feelings I have um, are legitimate. Like I just needed somebody to acknowledge like, yes, no, you have lost a lot and it does feel like everything right now. And that's Okay. You know, actually, it's okay to just sit with that and admit it. And so I think acknowledging that and just not trying to fix it, like we've talked about, but just to name kind of similar to what Elisa is saying, if it's not a person, but like to name that it was lost and just be like, and it sucks, like (laughs) the end, you know, you don't have to tie a bow on it or try to point out all the things that haven't been lost. Just say it was lost. I think that is really encouraging to people who already, cause you feel that way on the inside. Um, you know, like that's the feeling is the, is the overwhelming weight of the loss. Go Kayla. Do you want to talk about where you were coming from when you said that? <laughs> Great job. A plus. <laughs> oh man. You're hitting me in my fields. I'm like, I'm not crying. It's just been raining on my face. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. I just know how hard it is when somebody is like, just feel better, like put a put a bow on it. You know, I've been there in my own life. And I know that I have like Mm. actually like a personality tendency to do that sometimes too. And I, but yet I have been on the other side where I know how hurtful that is and how that's not helpful at all. So I think it's a learned experience in some Mm -hmm. way. And I was actually, Lindsay, as you were telling that story, I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope I didn't say something really (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Because I remember when you're going through this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just really hope like, it's totally okay if you call me out because I deserve (laughs) it if I said something really dumb. (laughs) No, no. I think another thing too, what, so 
I don't talk about this much anymore, but my husband is a cancer survivor. And so almost 10 years ago, he had stage three cancer and um, people would ask us all the time, what do you need? And when you're in survival mode, you have no idea what you need. Like none, you don't, you have no clue. So, I mean, what's really helpful is just to be like, Hey, put your laundry on your front porch. I'm going to swing by and pick it up or just drop off groceries or like, like just do the thing. Cause when people are grieving, um, whether it's like loss or, I mean, it could be anything, but like if, if a person is suffering, they really, it's hard to say what those like real felt tangible needs are. So you just, just be creative. Like just think through like, what would I need? And meals are the go-to and food is great. And, but there are other ways too. So I think it's natural and normal to say like, Oh my gosh, what do you need? But the reality is that person has no idea what they need. Like, that they don't know. So that would be the encouragement that I would give people to. Yeah. Or let me know if you need anything or I'm here if you need me. Like those are not helpful things. Right. Yeah. 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 Well intended, but like you can't receive that in that kind of moment, you know? Well, you're putting the, you're putting the work on the person Mm -hmm. who is already in the middle of trying to just figure out the next just survive so right yeah I think too so this has not been said to us but like I mentioned our family really grieving the loss of of leaving Miami um and I think I even underestimated how long that grief that cycle or I don't know what phrase to use how long our grieving would actually take like when we would be back up on our feet and kind of like Mm. doing life again um And so we came back to the city where we had been before, where we know a lot of people and people were super excited that we were quote unquote home. And we Mm. were devastated. Like (laughs) we, we, we no longer felt like this was home. And so we would see people who were really excited to see us and that we were back. And I initially, that was really helpful. And it kind of carried me because I wasn't excited, but I wanted to feel Like I wanted to be happy. You know what I mean? Like I was grieving and I was sad, but I didn't want to be sad forever. And so initially that energy that people had was really encouraging. But as the months went by and we were still showing up sad (laughs) to places and events. And I feel like people, that was kind of the vibe that was like, oh, Mm. you're still sad. Like, haven't you got over it yet? And And I kind of felt that way about myself too, but the reality was like, that was where we were. And so, um, that was really hard. And so that, I mean, that ties into like a lot of everything that we've been talking about, but the, the general feeling that I got from other people was like, oh, you're still sad. Like, when are you going to get on the happy train? You know, when are you going to move on really is what I felt just so a strange pressure to move on. Um, and, and we just weren't ready for that. So like being kind of what we've talked about, but like that sitting with and not trying to fix, there's also you, there's no timeline for grief either. Right. And so like I can be anywhere <laughs> like yesterday at Trader Joe's, someone had ditched their box of mango flavored <laughs> Jojo's because the new pumpkin flavor Jojo's were out. And so they had left the box of mango Jojo's with the pumpkin ones. And I saw the mango Jojo's and like 
was so excited because it reminded me of Miami. But there's also grief in that, you know, because I'm not there anymore. And I think we just, grief is really unruly and shows up in strange places at strange times. And it's, it's like better for all of us if we just kind of accept that and embrace it and, and allow it to be with us, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's just suffering is not, everybody wants to skip gloss Mm. over Good Friday to get to to Easter Sunday. Oh yeah. You know? And so, you know, this, the suffering on the, on the cross. I mean, I feel like to this day, I only was able to watch Mel Gibson's passion of Christ one time to say that I, I mean, just to suffering is not anything that anybody wants to kind of hang out with. Um, it's, we would all just probably rather get to the resurrection, but you know, it, there's, there's, there's no, there's no resurrection without that suffering. And so we, I think just in general, we just have to get better at, at, um, being brokenhearted with the brokenhearted. Um, Elisa, that just reminds me, like we've talked about the season kind of loosely, unofficially being named, like get your people. And I think what I want our people to know is that we have to be okay Mm. with this grief you know like we have to see Mm. others pain for what it is and like cycles of pain and cycles of grief and cycles of trauma (laughs) and you know what I mean like how we cannot love we have to love God love our neighbor like we don't have to we we enter into that right as people um of God's kingdom, it, we have to one understand understand our own grief, of which no one is immune to, and everyone will experience it at some at some point and probably multiple points in their lives because that's the nature of humanity, right? Um, but we have to sit with that, and our culture is really good at like. Um, replacing it or like giving us something else to feel or think about or do or buy or yes I mean the opportunities are endless and I speak from experience with that right Um, but we have to work through that so we can have empathy and compassion and love for our neighbor who is dealing with grief and maybe they're dealing with grief Mm. in a way that we do not understand and maybe they're even dealing with grief Mm. in a in a way that's not healthy Right. But but we have to see grief for for what it is and knowing that that what's going on is just a symptom of of a lot of other things. And I would venture to say a lot of those other things probably stem. When I hear you say that, Kayla, the the question that comes to my mind immediately is when I think about like our country and politics, I I wonder if we are grieving the loss of an America that looked very different. And I I mean, like in terms of population and in terms of what an American dream meant and what it meant to be an American. Um, Yeah. And I wonder if there's some grieving that we as Americans have to do and like aren't willing to do. Yeah. Actually, as she was talking, I was thinking about that unwillingness. And I think part of it is Mm -hmm. it's scary. Like it's scary to let yourself go to that place emotionally, Um, whether it's like admitting that Mm -hmm. the country Mm -hmm. is changing and 
and that's that's hard for you that's scary for you you or if it's admitting that you know this dream that died really meant a lot to you and you know you're scared to like enter into that i think grief can feel uh, like it can feel overwhelming like you might get lost in it right like if i go there if i allow myself to feel right. these feelings i'm never right. going to come out i'm never going to recover um which I can totally understand that feeling, but I think um, when we allow our feelings, they're messengers, right? They tell us what we think. And so when we listen to our feelings, um, kind of to use the analogy, like they're knocking on the door and if we let them in and feed them and <laughs> let them take a nap and hear out what they have to say, they'll leave. They'll, they will leave. <laughs> they will leave eventually. And so I think you're spot on. I think there's a lot of grief, but I think, um, you know, just politically speaking, I think it's rooted in fear, um, which we don't really like to get real about that either. So. Oh, that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yes and no. I don't know. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of overlap. Um, And Lindsay, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm wondering, well, I remember you saying or writing um, months ago that when you had moved, when your family had moved, you know, you all were grieving. And so you were going to be really intentional about getting outside a lot. And you're going to be intentional about like moving physically, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I know you like stepped off of social media for a little while. I guess I was wondering if you could talk more about that with the, with the perspective that I don't think there's certain things that we can do to shoo away grief, but knowing that it's with us. How can mm-hmm. we then say, all right, well, yeah. Yeah, what do I do with it? I think one thing for me, like the whole getting outside piece was really like I was questioning, okay, wait, if this is happening, mm. is God good? Like, where is God right now? Because this sucks. Okay. <laughs> um, and so for me, like I connect with the divine in nature. Like I cannot look at a lake or a mountain or a tree without like seeing um, creation as good and and therefore God is good. Right. And so um, that for me is really healing and rem- and it's a reminder that even though right now, like I don't see where God is at in this situation or this circumstance, I can still like look up and see a tree and know that God is good. And so it just kind of reminds me of like who God is Um and I think like the moving your body part, like that's, I'm totally not a science person, but like everybody will tell you if you're depressed, if you're anxious, get up and move like as hard as it is, like get outside and just go for a walk, you know? Um, and so, and part of that's because I have five kids and I was trying to keep everyone from like the first winter we had experienced in four years, like, let's just stay alive and not be in our house all the time. Um, but like to get out and to move is also really healing because we do hold, like we hold grief and trauma, which we haven't talked about too much, but we hold that in our bodies, like on a molecular cellular level. And so to be able to, we have to work it out in that way too. So so yeah, those were things that were really um, healing for us during that time. Alisa and Kayla, do you have mechanisms of things that have worked for you? Avoidance? <laughs> <laughs> Making jokes. <laughs> so honest. It's honest. No, it's I don't so know. That's honest. my seven wing. I don't, so I don't like love having pain. 
um, don't love talking about it. I mean, um, as our listeners know, or anyone who follows me on Instagram knows, like we have a daughter with needs and disabilities that are, I mean, way more than what you would ever expect um, your child to have. And it's a constant grief. It doesn't go away. And sometimes you just don't want to think about it, right? Like sometimes it just sucks. It's hard. And so, you know, probably the healthier thing to do is go on a nature walk. But honestly, that's not always what's going to happen. Like sometimes it just sucks and you just want to like get together with your friends and like enjoy a meal together. And I think that's okay too. So I guess for me, um, it's, I could really dwell on it and get really anxious and get really worried and feel this constant grief of what we do not have and what she does not have and the abilities she does not have and Mm -hmm. the future we do not have. Um, But I think I just have to, you know, I think in a, in a healthier way (laughs) to not be avoided, but to be in the, in the present and know that I am not God, my worry and anxiety and, and, you know, sadness even does not fix the situation. And so it's absolutely permissible and good to have those feelings. And also it's permissible and good to give them to God and say, this is not my own, this is not my soul burden to bear. Like this isn't only on me. Like you have given like you have the spirit that understands pain and understands suffering and I can give this back to you. And that is, that is grieving as well. I'm going to piggyback on what Kayla said. I think that I have always kind of identified with, um, I have to be strong. I have to, like, I have, that's just my, my go-to, um, default, at anything that is uncomfortable or hard to get through, or I just am everybody's cheerleader and everybody's like, let's get on the same page. We're going to get through this. I'm going to solve this problem. And I think that I've learned, um, kind of as I've gotten older, I've, I've learned to kind of name, name things and sit with them instead of just trying to kind of force bullheaded myself through them and to get to the other side. Um, and I have learned, um, that, uh, that if, that if I want to process something with God, um, uh, if I want to do it like the best way, I think that, uh, for me, I've learned that I have to kind of give God space to, to speak into the places that are super duper hard for me. And so as I've grown older, there's just been different ways that have worked depending on my life circumstances right now. Um, right now I'm, I'm really like delving in scripture a lot more than I ever have. And he, and he just has found a way to pierce my heart and to help me kind of see the ways that he's working and the way he's bringing me through certain things that have been really difficult. But I think that it has, it's been a process of me learning uh, to not just try to always be fine all the time. Like that it's okay. Like kind of what Kayla said, it's okay to not be fine and to Mm -hmm. fix it and to solve everything all the time. Sometimes it is just like what it is and it's okay to feel terrible about it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, something that I wanted to bring up too that I think is kind of an elephant in the room, and I'm curious to hear if you guys have reactions to it, um, is I was talking to a nun who's a grief counselor in a Native American community. She's lived there for like 30 years. And she was talking about the difference between uh, like American culture and Native American culture. And she was saying that in American culture, we try to protect our children from death. And we treat it like it's not an option and death or we treat it like it is an option. Sorry. And death is not an option. Um, And she talked about being honest with the kids that in her community and saying, like, I don't have all the answers about eternal life. And I'm going to be honest about that. And I think that's so fascinating. And I think um, that's probably a really hard thing to say to a kid. And I don't know, I was curious about your thoughts on that, on sitting in that uncertainty and how it relates to grief. I mean, I think just like the unknown is what, I don't know if I would use the word compounds, but like the unknown makes it worse. Like to not know, like ambiguous grief, you know, grief counselors will say is the worst kind of grief because there's no finality there's no even when things even when the finality is unknown and confusing no finality at all is even harder and so I think it is the unknowing that makes grief really hard even if you're not talking about death um which I, I I that what you were told by that nun is really interesting but I think even if when it comes to the unknowing of why did this thing, like, why was I in a car accident? Like, I'm fine. But like, why did that happen to me? And like, why, why this thing? Why that thing? And again, we get back to God, right? And like what we think about God and how that infiltrates every area of our life. And so if we think God is going to protect us from all of these bad things, from all of these bad things that are going to happen and they do happen, then that question of why and why they happen to us, I mean, man, that will eat away at you. And so I think it, for me anyway, it is the unknown that actually makes, makes things more difficult and makes it harder to um, move through the grief. Yeah. Lindsay, that makes a lot of sense to me too. I think though that to put, I think to put kind of the upside down um, kingdoms spin on this is that at the end of the day, I mean, it's what, it's what faith requires of us is that it is, we don't know a lot for sure. I mean, that, that's, that's what faith is. It's, it's like believing, um, when you don't always have concrete answers and it, it, a lot of it is, you know, like, you know, when people say love is a choice, well, you know, to, to have faith that even though we don't exactly know why this is happening or what exactly is going on or how we're going to make it to the other side, um, we do, we do have, we do have this story of this God who came to be in the mess and the muck and at the very the very minimum, um, knows what it is to suffer. Um, and at the very least we, we are called to have that faith that even if we don't know that, that we know 
we know the ultimate end. I don't know how much, I mean, I don't know how much um, comfort that gives right now, but, but I do know that that's just the, the, the thing of faith is that we're not ever going to know 100% or then it's not really faith. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just here to agree with everybody because I, I see that too. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's why the like God, like what you believe about God, that's why that's so important. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. like, and maybe I, I, maybe I didn't do a good job of explaining my thoughts, but I think like if I believe that God is good and then not good things happen. Right. I don't know. I think you can kind of get into this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like things spin out really quickly. Yes. Meritocracy. Like things spin out really quickly when you start to go, okay, well, this good thing didn't happen to me and this bad thing did. So does that mean God isn't good? Does that mean God doesn't love me? Where is God? Like you can just really quickly. Right. Right. I I don't know. I I can. Maybe I should speak for myself. (laughs) No, no, no. I had a teenager like not. He's not a teen anymore. He's a he's a young adult, but he texted me just basically all the bullet points of what you just said to me. And he was like, okay. Uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And he wanted me to tell him like, what, these are the good things I've done. And this is what I kind of expected out of God. And this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. So like what in the world? Right. And so it, it can, we can quickly kind of spiral um, into thinking like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think we can. And I think grief also, like a facet of grief that we haven't touched on is loneliness. And I I think maybe part of that loneliness is, I'll just say Christians, <laughs> meaning all of us, is <laughs> like, is it like, oh my gosh, I must be worse than everyone else. Um, and maybe like that's not a thing people would share openly or share with friends, but is that something that's a deep down in, when something terrible happens to us? Do you mean we're not allowed to, because we're Christian, we should be like, it's going to be fine? No, I mean like that. I think the meritocracy element leads to more loneliness because it's like, oh, this really bad thing is happening to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like other people, like, I didn't know that your husband had gotten cancer, Lindsay, but that's, to me, that's like a perfect example of what I'm talking about because it's like not normal. And I also don't know how old you were, but I would guess you were in your thirties, maybe or twenties. It's not normal for someone. Yeah. In their twenties to get cancer. Right. Like, so like, Oh, I'm in my Mm twenties. None of my friends spouses have cancer. Like, I think that also spirals that way. Um, And I'm just using that as an example. I have no idea if you felt that or not, but I, I would imagine lots of people do. Yeah, I think probably people do. Be uh, what what in my experience has been, and I think this is personality, but like I don't tend to feel lonely. Like oh my gosh, nobody else is experiencing what I've experienced. I think that suffering is sort of a solitary act. Mm. Um, mm. So I agree with everything that we've said thus far, like to sit with people, but I think it's a very internal and inward um, process. So I don't know the external, like the the people and the loneliness, I think is secondary to the internal Mm -hmm. suffering and struggle and that that is just a solitary act. I think like we can suffer with people, but it's still a very personal inward journey. 
Yeah. I do think like, I'm so glad that I have a faith community and I think this probably goes for anybody in any faith community. Um, but I can't imagine going through a time of grief and not knowing there was some sort of body that I could go to or like a faith leader I could go to in my grief. Cause I, I totally agree. Like so much is internal and we have to like have that and sit with that. But I also feel like so grateful, like so many times, you know, like my husband's a pastor and Alisa, like you were saying, like he'll go and he'll sit with someone and hold their hand as they like enter into their next, you know, phase and, and leave this world and, and die, you know? And, and I think I'm so grateful that we have that, that body around us, that, that faith support, that family support, that we might not know all the answers. We are just human, right? We don't know exactly what's going to happen. And and there is that faith element, but that faith is so, I just feel so comforted. And I know there's so many people that don't have a community rooted in whatever, you know, faith tradition they belong to. But I just think that grief probably does hit a different level when you don't have anyone to ever talk about it with or anybody to ever share with in any way or anyone that will come alongside you. Um, yeah, I, I feel grateful that, that I have that. And, and I wish that everyone would have that, even if it didn't always look like mine. Absolutely. And I do, I would like to say just here, seems like a good place to say that I do love uh, like it feels like a movement or at least more of an acceptance. I've seen like shirts that say like, I love Jesus and I go to therapy. Like mm-hmm. to say, to say out into the space mm-hmm. that like your faith, the level of it is not indicative of, of how well or not well you're processing grief that, that this yeah. Like that the idea that uh, your faith should be the cure-all to something that has, tra- uh, that has included trauma or the grief um, of losing someone or lo- a, a, a loss, that it has become a lot more, at least to me, it feels like okay to say out loud, uh, out loud that, that therapy and, and counseling and medication, just all these things that used to be like, oh, hush, hush, we don't talk about that, you know, um, that there has been a move. I'm just so happy to be raising my kids in an era where this is like the thing that is now okay and kind of um, encouraged to yes. say because I think it's really helpful. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so, I was hoping that that would come up. I'm glad it did. Yeah. I wanted to end with this quote from Laura Kelly Finucci, and she has gotten a lot of love on this podcast, rightfully so. Uh, she's a blogger and author. Um, if you are looking for more on grief, go check out her work. It's all about grief. Um, yeah, the quote is kind of long, but I think it's worth it. So stick with me. We need a new language for grief. How time loops, touching past to present, grief's kaleidoscope of colors, jealous green, angry red, indigo sorrow, violet violet lament, the uncanny uncoincidences, 
a loving text in a lonely moment, stubborn sun full in your eyes, the living, breathing child appearing at your elbow right before grief's weight drags you under. Today is beautiful. My life is full. I know so much joy. And still there are moments every day that catch my breath. I will never get used to that. Grief has a word for that. Our faithful, fierce protest against the losses we were never created to endure. It is love. I love that quote so much. Beautiful. Yeah, it really is, is beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So we have uh, something coming up that we want to share with our listeners um, that really folds really nicely into this conversation. <laughs> um, so you may remember from last season, we had Scott, um, the painter, on and um, to talk about his new book with Justin McRoberts and um, Scott also has sort of a one man show called say yes, which is a liturgy of not giving up on yourself. And he describes it as a multi-sensory experience that reveals this moment, not as an ending, but as a sacred doorway into a much deeper invitation to our hopes, vocation and our existence itself. And so um, it's a really cool conversation that he has with um, live audiences about about not giving up on yourself about grief and loss and mental health and all of these all of these things and so he's coming um, to my city Louisville Kentucky on October 25th and you can get tickets to that show on his website scotterickssonart.com and we also have for our podcast listeners a special uh, listener coffee chat with Scott the following morning which is Saturday October 26th at 10 a.m. And you can check Instagram for details on that um, and the location. But we're just really excited. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. It was on prayer. um, And it was uh, my favorite episode, I think, of last season. And so we're excited to kind of continue that conversation with Scott in person in Louisville, Kentucky on October 26th. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm like plotting how I can go from (laughs) Iowa to Louisville. (laughs) So you guys definitely go to that coffee. It's going to be really cool. Yes. I also have a B-side out and I'm so excited about it. It's um, my first B-side and one of my favorite recordings ever about food justice and people who pick our food and the agricultural uh, system. It's so good. So that is for uh, folks who support us via Patreon. Um, what is the amount, Lindsay? It's ten dollars and up. There you go. Very worth it for this conversation. (laughs) Um, yeah. So check that out as well. And you can learn more about Upside Down Podcast at UpsideDownPodcast.com or Upside Down Podcast on Instagram. You're always welcome to join our listener group on Facebook, which is Upside Down Tribe, um, where we continue these conversations and have even more. So thanks for joining us today and we'll be back next time.